this week's episode of Mum Talk. Oh my goodness, I am so sorry that it's Friday and this is only happening now and the podcast is only going up now. I'm really, really sorry. Time has just, again, been invisible. I know I said this in my last podcast, (laughs) um, but I really don't know where time goes. I go to record my podcast. I can't get my words out clearly today record my podcast and then she either needs feeding or nappy changing or there's something that's quite urgent I need to do or oh my goodness this I don't understand where this week has gone I really don't and this weekend um I'm very much looking forward to I'm going down to my mummy's uh in Sulcombe and she's gonna look after me and my sister's coming down and we're just gonna have a nice girly weekend and I'm very excited about it Um, because mum is just amazing, amazing with Amandine and gives her all the cuddles. We went down on Tuesday for one night. It was our first ever night away and it was just dreamy. I fell asleep on the sofa. My mum was cuddling Amandine and Amandine was asleep on my mum. I think I slept until like half past 11, fed Amandine, put Amandine in her pyjamas, put her to bed in her Moses basket in, um, in the room with me, obviously, And she went to sleep until three, did a night feed at three, went to sleep until six, did a night feed, did a feed at six. My mum came in at 6.30, whisked her away, and I slept until nine, I think. Oh, oh my God, it was just absolutely amazing. So I'm hoping this weekend is going to look similar. I know my mum and my sister don't listen to this podcast, but I wish they did, because then, if you know my mum and my sister and you're listening, (laughs) then didn't you see my mum and my sister tell them that I need help. (laughs) No, they have, they've been amazing. They've been amazing. So I'm very much looking forward to that. But I'm really, really sorry that this podcast is so late. The upside to that, though, is that I've had a bunch of questions come in really late um, on Wednesday evening and Thursday that you guys want me to answer. So at least this is going to be really helpful for you this podcast but I hope you're all doing well if you're pregnant I know there's lots of there are so many more of you listening now it's really blown me away and I'm ever so grateful that you listen I'm very surprised that you listen um I never really thought that this podcast would be so successful but I am I'm very happy that it is and I'm very happy that I can be of service to a lot of you um who are going through pregnancy or are planning to get pregnant um or I know there are actually quite a lot of you, uh, well, there's quite quite a few of you out there who have lost um, babies and you are now pregnant again and this is quite a scary time for you and this podcast is helping you a lot also. We're going to touch on that subject really soon, um, on uh, the subject of miscarriage and losing losing a baby and then being pregnant again. So stick with me. Um, I'm very much hoping to have a guest on the podcast very soon to record um, an episode where we can touch on that because it's definitely, definitely not spoken about enough. So on a happier note, what I wanted to chat with you today um, is to give you a little update of how we're doing. She is a month old, can you believe that? On Tuesday she was four weeks old, so I mean she's almost five weeks, she's closer to five weeks than she is to four weeks. So she is, um, yeah, but she's four weeks old, she apparently has, I have this, um, oh what's it called, Wonder, hang on, I'm just looking on my phone, Wonder, the Wonder, the Wonder Weeks. If you haven't got it, get the app, it's called the Wonder Weeks, and it basically tells you when your baby's going to have all of its leaps, and what all of its leaps mean. So Amandine is currently about to start her changing sensations leap, which starts between week four and a half and week five and a half. Although actually these leaps start from their due date, so she'll maybe hit that next week. Although I feel like she's hitting it already because when I click on that leap and it says that they will be more clingy, they'll want to feed a lot more, they will cry for no particular reason, and I'm pretty sure we're there. <laughs> I am pretty sure we're there. So um, she's going to be hitting that. I, I don't know if many of you have checked in on my Instagram, but we are struggling a little bit with wind. Um, Not me personally, Amandine is struggling a bit with wind. She has really since birth, and she's 
kicked her legs loads and been really uncomfortable and strained and gone very red in the face when you, you assume she's doing a number two in her diaper, but she's not. You look in her diaper or my favourite, give the bum a bit of a whiff, um, a bit of a smell and nothing, absolutely nothing, not even a fart, nothing. She's just really uncomfortable and really straining. She goes red in the face. Her belly goes really hard and yeah, it's horrible to watch and it might not be actually painful for her but I can't stand watching her go through that. So we are actually at 3.30 today um, going to see my beautiful friend Rosie who runs her own, she is an osteopath and she runs her own uh, centre in Exeter called The Health House and she also does baby cranial osteopathy. So we are going to go and see Rosie and see if Rosie can work a little bit of magic on my bambino. Um, I've also been recommended a gripe water called Calm... Colic Calm? I think it's Colic Calm. I don't think... uh, Well, I know Amandine hasn't got colic because she is not crying flat out in the evenings. She settles in the evenings. She's fine. It's. I think it really is just wind. Um... She has now learnt to burp a little bit more, um, and I maybe I've got more effective, actually, in my burping technique. I think I can just hear my husband coming up the stairs with Amandine, actually, which means she's not settling. So I'm just going to press pause for a second and take Amandine. Oh, my goodness. Well, that was a nappy change Hendrik was bringing her up for, and she is now feeding. <laughs> if you could have been in this room, though, for the last five minutes, you probably would have laughed at me a lot. It was a little bit like the bare bum situation that I spoke about in my podcast last week. Um, If you are breastfeeding, you will know what I mean when, or you'll be able to visualise what happens when you, well, when the baby loses latch and suddenly your nipple pops out of their mouth and it just sprays milk everywhere. And that's exactly what happened. (laughs) <laughs> my boob slipped out of her mouth because I was trying to get her comfortable um, and she was so eager to get on my boob she just launched herself at it so then I was trying to wriggle her to get her comfortable boob fell out and milk everywhere 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 luckily kind of just <laughs> literally all over her face um, but yeah Hendrik saw that unfortunately the other day he didn't see that just now but he did see it um, the other day when she came off my boob and my my boob just sprayed milk and he said I literally can't unsee that shit ever <laughs> um, but there you go there you go I don't know if any of you picked up on he just asked actually did anyone pick up on when I said your boobs um, I can't remember there was a question that I asked him last week and he said about the whole boobs thing or yeah Maybe it was something unexpected, I don't know, I don't know. Um, okay, back to what I was talking about, which was, I think, cranial osteopathy. Um, so yeah, we are off to see Rosie this afternoon for some cranial osteopathy. I was really nervous about it because I have never had anything like that done to myself. I have had one osteopathy appointment with, or two actually, with Rosie, which were amazing and sorted me right out, Um, but when it's your baby, I think it's a bit, I don't know, I'm just, I was really nervous about it, I'm not nervous about it now, because I know just how gentle it is, and I know that Rosie won't do anything that I wouldn't want her to do, and my midwife said it was amazing, and I spoke to my mum's friend the other day, who's had it, who had it done with both of her children, and she said it really helped, so it's definitely worth a try. Um, I think I was also talking about colic calm, wasn't I? Which is a homeopath- homeopathic gripe water, I think. I haven't bought it. There's also a homeop- homeopathic um, thing. Come on, back in the mouth, please. You're losing good milk. Sorry. L- lost latch again. Um, there's also some home- homeopathy stuff um which you can get I think and then you dilute it yourself to make the gripe water um I need to look into it a little bit more but it's it's similar to the cranial stuff I feel like she's just so pure at the moment she's only four weeks old she's literally just getting my breast milk I just I just don't want to put anything else in her if you know what I mean 
Um, so yeah, we'll see. But if anyone has any more advice on that kind of stuff, or if anything's really, really worked for your little one um, with releasing wind or releasing burps and just aiding in that whole process, I would be really, really pleased to hear about it and really grateful to hear about it. Um, the other thing that she's had a little bit of is just kind of, I think that I don't know if they're called milk spots or what they're called but she's just had a few little spots over her skin they come and go almost throughout the day and when she gets wound up they get worse and sometimes it looks a little bit more like a rash than spots and then you look at it a couple of hours later and then it spots um it seemed to happen kind of when I started washing her face it happened which was a bit weird so I laid off the cotton wool and I started washing her face just like dabbing it with a flannel which seems to work a little bit better just to make sure that the milk there's no kind of residue of milk on there but she's a pretty clean baby um and her areas of her skin seem to get really dry so I try and avoid washing those actually um just to let the natural oils in the skin build back up again kind of in between her t-zone it's a bit weird the the section on her nose um either side is quite oily and then the top the t-bit at the top is really really dry so it must just be her skin kind of acclimatizing but if anyone has any advice on that as well I'd be really grateful to hear your advice um and those spots are kind of just a little bit on her chest as well but I hear it's quite normal and it'll clear itself up in a few weeks apparently which is good what else have we had? Um, nappies wise, okay there was a question about nappies and what we're doing because her Bambino Mios, her reusables are still too big, way too big for her. I think we, I still haven't been to a midwife, a drop-in um, health visiting appointment thingy yet. I should definitely go next week, definitely make the effort to go to get her properly weighed, her measurements done, see where she is, see how she's doing. Um, not that I can change anything, but she, we weighed her on our kitchen scales, um, in a little basket. It was very, very funny. And I think she's now about eight pounds six and, um, she's just starting to come out of a few of her newborn bits and pieces. I can't get the, um, hand bits turned over and things like that. So she is starting to grow out of it, but one thing I will say on the whole newborn stuff is it's so store dependent and brand dependent. For instance, John Lewis newborn clothes are way last a lot longer than say. Uh, so what have I got? I've got a frugi newborn sleep suit. She's very very close to being out of that, if not already out of it. Um, Mori baby Mori. I've got quite a lot of their stuff, and I have two newborn sleep suits, and she is pretty much out of those they still zip up but I just can't get the hands um the hands in but then they're zero to three month suits which I've got quite a lot of because they all zip um are way too big still way too big I mean her legs end up inside the body and then that irritates her so we're not using those at the moment but the John Lewis ones seem to be really good and they are well fitting they're still fitting her now at eight pounds and they fit her really well at six and a bit pounds as well so um I recommend John Lewis and they do organic cotton as well and it's it's quite soft it's not as soft as baby Mori baby Mori which is bamboo and cotton is definitely by far the softest stuff um and it is really really beautiful stuff but it is expensive very expensive um I invested in quite a few of their bits knowing that we would hopefully have two kids and then my sister would have kids so I'd be able to pass them down um so I have kept them quite gender neutral. There are a few pink things, but it's only to sleep in. So it doesn't matter if you put a boy in something pink to sleep in. It doesn't matter if you put a boy in something pink to go out in either. I don't think. Anyway, um, back to nappies. So we are using, we have been using Kit and Kin. Now, two of my friends with, used Kit and Kin and they absolutely hated them. They said they leaked everywhere. They were an absolute nightmare. They were sitting in their own poop. I haven't found that at all, in fact. And this just goes to show how different everyone's babies are. My two friends who had those issues, they both had £9 babies um, and above. And I'm not sure maybe that Kit and Kin are better when your baby's smaller. I don't know. So Amandine was 7, 2, and then she went down to 6. I think she went down to 6, 6, I think. 
Um, and they they were brilliant for her. They still are brilliant for her. I've just run out. That's the only annoying thing. It's mail order only, or I've got to go all the way into Central Exeter to buy them. So we have also been using Eco by Natty, and they they're size one. So kitten kin size ones are way smaller than Eco by Natty size ones. Um, Eco by Natty size ones, I think, go up to something like eleven pounds. So obviously, when she was six pounds, eleven pounds was way off. So they're still really big for her. Um, they don't leak everywhere. They did when she was six pounds, so we stopped using them, and I got loads more kitten kin in. Um, and then this, so I ran out of everything. So this week I went to uh, Beaming Baby, which is a local place in um, near Totnes, and grabbed a whole bunch of na- nappies to try. So I got bamboos, I got Eco by Natty again, but they gave me size twos, which is a bit unfortunate, but it's fine. I st- I, I have them and she'll grow into them. Um, and they also gave me their own brand, Beaming Baby. Um, which I'm not, so I've been using the bamboos. I haven't used Beaming Baby ones yet. Um, but the bamboos, she's got a bit more nappy rash than she did with Kitten Kins. Now, I just don't know whether that's because she's pooped a lot recently. I'm very, very quick at changing her out of a poopy nappy, even in the middle of the night. If I hear something going on, I will just, even if she's sleeping, I'll whip her straight in and clear out a, um, a dirty nappy. I hate the thought of her lying in her own acidic poop and it kind of burning her bottom. I hate that thought. Um, So yeah, we've been using those and I'm not sure if this um, nappy rash has come from those or not. Anyway, we're at the end of them. So I have Eco by Natties and I have the Beaming Baby ones, which we're going to try. I also am going to get some more Kitten Kins probably, but I did also buy, I might be judged for this, I don't know, but I did also buy pampers but the pampers pure ones because I've actually been doing a lot of research into biodegradable nappies and and if they actually are biodegrading because they are a hell of a lot more expensive and I am not even sure if they do biodegrade because apparently the landfill needs to be like 50 degrees and above um, they need to have exactly the right conditions, and I think even Kit and Kin or Eco by Natty, when they were asked, um, couldn't answer, or they said that the nappies would biodegrade um, their first layer, and then they don't biodegrade anymore, or something like that. So you're paying a premium for these nappies that, yes, you think you're doing a great thing for the environment, but I'm not actually sure that they are biodegrading, or you're in a place where the nappies get burnt because all of your rubbish gets burnt, so it makes very little difference. Anyway, but the main reason why I'm buying the biodegradable ones is because they tend to have less chemicals in them, causing less nappy rash and being kinder to the skin. So that's why I bought the Pampers Pure ones as well, because I wanted... It's a difference in... I think the Pampers Pure were like 12p a nappy, and the other ones were like 20p a nappy, so it is quite a big difference. Um, or 24p a nappy even, I think. Um, so it's quite a big difference. And I will let you know how I get on. Hendrik put one on her yesterday. They're a lot softer uh, than the Kittenkin. Kittenkin ones are quite stiff. Um, but I never... She was always very comfortable in them. Um, but I'll let you know how we get on with all of those different ones. And um, hopefully we won't be needing them much longer. And we can go to our reusables, which would be really good. But one thing I did find, and go Bambino Mio, is they are stocked in Waitrose in Sidmouth. You can actually buy a Bambino Mio solo reusable nappy in Waitrose and all the liners and all that kind of stuff that you need if you need extra nappies, which I thought was brilliant. I thought that was so good because I only have eight and eight is most definitely not going to be enough for a whole day (laughs) and night and then I have to wash them. So I need to up my game if we get on well with them and um, maybe get, well, definitely get some more, either new or get some second-hand ones. Um, so that's nappies answered, I think. How many roughly am I going through a day? I have been asked that. We do probably waste one, maybe, yeah, probably one nappy a day, either by cleaning it when it, changing it when it doesn't need to be cleaned. So maybe she'll... 
I don't know, will think she's pooped or will think she's weed and she hasn't. Um, and then I'll just change it anyway. Um, often if she does do a little bit of a fart, which is rare, then it is a little bit, there can be the tiniest, tiniest little bit of poop. I will still change it. Um, I'm probably being overcautious, but anyway. Um, so, yeah, we and in addition to that, we probably go through maybe... 10 to 12 nappies in an actual day and then four nappy changes at night I would have I would have said something like that yeah something like that um so quite quite a lot actually and I do have a bin next to my nappy changing unit so I might as well answer this question because someone asked me this question on Instagram they asked me what would I have done differently to prepare now, one of the one of the answers to this question would definitely be the changing table. Now I know that our little bundle of joy can projectile poo two meters. I would not have put my changing table in the nursery. I put the changing table in the nursery because we basically don't have any other option. Our bathroom, we don't have a spare space really to put it in. It would be tight if I put even the tiniest little Ikea changing table in the bathroom, it would really affect the room that we have in the bathroom. Um, you okay, little one? You okay? Um, so that's why it's in here. But she can literally projectile poo all the way up our white walls, all the way through over the carpet, um, and that's what's happened. So if you have the opportunity to put your changing table in a place where there is wipeable floor, wipeable walls, <laughs> do it, definitely do it. Um, and what else would I have done differently to prepare? I would have rested more, I think. Um, and I mean, wouldn't hindsight be a wonderful thing, but you really don't get five minutes to yourself. And if you do, you're brilliantly lucky and amazing. And if you do, it's probably filled with a job that you're doing, and mine definitely are. Um, and I never really realised how the simplest things of just needing to run down to Sainsbury's to grab something or run down to the letterbox to post some letters. There's no running down to anything. If you're at home alone, you've got to either strap the baby onto you, get the pram out, shove her in the pram, get the car out, put her in the car seat, make sure she's warm enough, make sure her nappy changed. Oh, it's it's any any attempt to leave the house to do any small job is very difficult, very difficult. Um, and especially with my one, if I try and put her down to try and do a job, she will just, well, she won't scream, but she'll just, she just, at the moment, she just wants to be with you or on you or be talked to the whole time or, yeah, she's quite demanding at the moment, or be fed. <laughs> um, so, yes, rest, 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 rest. Um, routine, routine. So... I had loads of feedback from my last podcast of how useful it was actually just to listen to how our day went, how our day happened and, and from week to week. Apparently that was one of the best things um, in last week's podcast because when you're expecting you just have no idea what to expect or how to go about doing things or, you know. So I will run you through how things have been happening this week. So this week, Hendrik's been on earlies, so Hendrik has been going to bed at like 7 o'clock in the evening, which has been fine, um, but uh, but to be honest, I've been so tired that I've also wanted to go to bed at that time, um, but I'll come back to that. So our day starts, she will always, 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 no matter what I have fed her in the evening overnight, she will absolutely always wake up at about 10 to 6 or 6 o'clock hungry. Even if I fed her or finished feeding her at about 4.30 or quarter to 5, she will still wake up at 10 to 6 or around the 6 o'clock mark for a feed um, or to be cuddled or something. So that's when our day starts, no matter what. And then this week, actually, if I try to put her down again after the 6 o'clock feed... She won't really want to go down. She'll wriggle, her eyes will be wide awake. However, she will happily go back to sleep if I leave her on me. So if I normally leave her on my tummy and we both go back to sleep for about an hour, hour and a half sometimes, 
then we have another feed and then I use that time after that feed to put her down again. She might be awake, she might not be. We bought a baby born, Bjorn. If you follow my Instagram, you would have seen that. Um, I didn't buy it new. I found it on Facebook Marketplace for £30. It was an absolute bargain because they are so expensive if you buy them new. But I would highly recommend buying one. Get one secondhand. The The cover is completely washable. There is no reason to buy a new one unless you really, really want to. Um, but, yeah, so I will sometimes bring that upstairs and put her in that if she's wide awake. Or, like, this morning she was she went back to sleep. Um, so I put her down. And I'll use that time to brush my teeth, jump in the shower, wash my hair, um, moisturise, and then by the time that's done, which normally takes quite a bit of time, she will be a, she will be waking up, and I will take her for a nappy change. I will change her out of her sleepwear into a little outfit, which normally consists of a long sleeve, or what she's wearing right now is a long sleeve body first thingy, um, leggings, some little socks, and a jumper. So I'll put her in that, and then I will feed her again. If I have time between my shower and changing her and getting her ready for the day, I will go downstairs and just make my smoothie, um, so I have that whilst I'm feeding her. But that is rare. That rarely, rarely, rarely happens. Definitely hasn't happened this week. So once I've fed her, I will then go downstairs. I will either put her on me and wear her for a bit, especially if I haven't made my breakfast, and I will go and eat. This week, it's normally taken... We we haven't really got downstairs before 10, 10.30 this week. Um, everything takes so much longer than you think. So much longer than you think, especially if she's done a massive poop, which is often a thing in the morning. I will need to top and tail her really so I'll run a little sink bath and I'll just pop her bottom in in the sink and we'll have a little bit of a wash um I'll also wash her face in the morning um I don't I don't we we've bathed her I would probably say so far once a week because her skin is really dry and I don't want to dry it out even more so I've been I'd she doesn't get sweaty, she doesn't get smelly, milk doesn't go absolutely everywhere, she's not lying naked on dirty rugs or anything, she's not damp, she's not kind of, yeah, her skin always looks really healthy apart from just a little bit dry, so I haven't been bathing her two to three times a week, we have been maybe once. We did have a second bath, because she really loves the shower, we did have a second bath, and I made it so much warmer. <laughs> I realised I have been having really, really cold baths all the way through my pregnancy, worrying that I was going to bake the baby in the bath when she was inside me. Um, I, for the first time, measured the temperature of the bath when I ran her and I a bath the other day, and it is so much warmer than what I've been having. And guess what? She loved it way more, because she wasn't flipping cold, and neither was I. So we did have a very successful bath the other day, and it was lovely. And we did it by ourselves. Hendrik was at work. We managed fine. You've just got to be organised. I bought a massive, one of those massive um, bath mats from Ikea, like the really, really fluffy, padded kind of ones. Um, my sister had one, so I thought that would be perfect. I lie that down before I get in the bath. I like her hooded towel on top of that. I've got a hooded towel from the Grow Company. It's brilliant. Definitely get one if you want to invest in a good towel. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, it's like a swaddle thing. So you've got kind of three laps to the towel um, and a hood. And I think ours is like a penguin. It's very cute. Um, lie that down. Take a clean nappy. Take her nappy um, balm and take her clothes into the bathroom so the heat of the bath kind of warms up the bathroom as well because we have our house quite cold and that's what I do so I lay it all out so it's all ready so when I get in the bath um, and when I then get out of the bath I literally lay her down make her really really warm dry her um, wrap her up put her nappy on and then dry myself so all of that's done naked unfortunately and it's bloody cold um, but yeah, we do all of that, and then she's very, very happy um, and clean. So, 
sometimes we do that and sometimes she'll jump in the shower with me sometimes um but our average day she will either be in the baby bouncer or asleep when I take a shower and then yeah we'll go downstairs we'll make my smoothie we'll do a job or two and then for some reason it's then normally time to feed again <laughs> um in the daytime I get about an hour and a half two hours tops between feeds in the night time I get quite a bit longer but in well two hours I guess actually two and a half hours um but in the daytime it's an hour and a half two hours tops and that time goes very very quickly especially when you've kind of come upstairs emptied the nappy bins done a few loads of laundry hung them up or done put a load on hung it up tidied from the night before oh all that kind of stuff all that kind of stuff um and then then what do we do um then it's normally lunchtime so I'll try and feed her just before lunch so I can actually eat lunch in peace. Then normally through lunch she realises, I don't know if she has the brain capacity to realise this, but this is what it feels like. She realises that I'm eating and the attention's not on her. So um, I put her in her bouncer and bounce her so she feels like that she's got some attention. I eat. Then um, we go chill on the sofa sometimes for a little bit that actually didn't happen or try and go out for a little walk and then it's literally just feed nappy change sleep feed nappy time nappy change sleep tummy time she does get a lot of tummy time when she's on my tummy and I find that is actually the most effective way of giving tummy time because it's not upsetting for them she doesn't cry if I put her on the floor and just expect her to do tummy time she's not really very happy and she doesn't enjoy it where I think if it's a fun thing that she's doing on mummy and she's maybe hunting for my boob at the same time. Sometimes I make her work for my boob. I'll do like a lie down feed where I lie on my back, put her on my tummy and she'll kind of crawl up my tummy onto my boob. Um, but that involves a lot of effort actually to lift the neck and to really work quite hard. Um, and then, then that's kind of, that's kind of the day. Maybe we'll go out for a coffee or something um but again that's quite rare um and then in the evening so I try and make sure that she's in her pjs before we eat so this also doesn't happen um always happen but I try and get her in her pjs around half past six we normally eat about seven and then after dinner I will feed her and try and make it a big feed so really keep switching from boob to boob trying to almost get her to empty out both boobs um, and then if I'm lucky, if I'm lucky, she will sleep or go down normally in her sleepy head down with us um, from about half past eight until 11, which is amazing. Um, actually, is it that amount of time? Half past eight, half past nine, half past ten. Yeah, two and a half hours. Yeah. So that's probably the first big nap that she'll take. Um, and then wake her up, change her nappy, feed her, and then she'll go down until three. So the whole nappy changing, feeding in the evenings or in the night time tend to take about an hour. So by the time she's woken up, I have picked her up, I've changed her nappy, I've got her back into the bedroom and she's feeding, it's about an hour. Um, so even though there might be three hours between kind of when I start feeding and then start feeding again, it's really about two hours sleep in between. Hello. Hello, munchkin. She's just waking up. So she falls asleep after every single feed or during every feed. Um, and then she wakes up and now you're waking up, aren't you? You're waking up and you want some more milk, good greedy bunny. Um, so that's our routine really. If I'm focused, we'll get out of the house. So we went to the beach twice last week, and I think I actually mentioned this in my podcast, and it was really lovely. Um, but we were out of the house by 7.30. So if I'm organised, I know what I'm doing. I know I've got to be somewhere at a particular time. I'm normally pretty good, and I can get her and us out of the house, but I have to be focused. If I am not focused, and we're just kind of having a lazy day, we won't get downstairs till 10.30, and um, by the time I've had breakfast, it's basically lunchtime anyway. <laughs> so that's what happens. Or if anything throws me off in the day. Like this morning, so I bought one of those dry soon heaters from Lakeland. 
it's not worked for me. There are some amazing reviews and I've been recommended them by friends, but it just, it did not work for me. I was just trying to dry two loads of baby laundry. I had the cover over the top as well to keep all of the, the hot air in. And I had it on for maybe six or seven hours yesterday and it did not dry. I mean, it dried a little, but it did not dry. And we're talking about, you know, tiny baby grows here and little flannels and breast pads and that's it. <laughs> so I found it really ridiculous. So I called Lakeland and I, I'm taking it back. So it's like £170. It's so expensive. Um, but unfortunately, Hendrik had put the box out for recycling and I was keeping the box just in case it didn't work. But he put it out. So we then had to go up into the loft, get boxes, box this thing up. And that just takes all of your time between a feed. And, you know, by the time you're you're finished, it's ready to feed again, and then it's ready to eat lunch, and like for instance today, I'm now doing the podcast, I'm feeding, thank goodness, I'm then going to put her in the car seat, we're going to go to our appointment, we probably won't be back until five, maybe half past four or five, and then it'll be feed time, then it'll be dinner time, then it'll be pyjama time, oh my gosh, it just, it just goes, it just absolutely goes. Right, so there you go, that's my routine. I'm going to answer some more of these questions because I promised myself this would be a shorter podcast and I'm already waffling into 36 minutes. So um, let's cover some more of these questions. Um, What would I not have worried about so much? Um, So definitely my birth plan. I, from really early on, I was always saying to my midwife, shouldn't I be doing my birth plan? Shouldn't I be doing my birth plan? It seems really, really late to do my birth plan at like 30, do you do it at 36 weeks? I think you do it at 36 weeks. Um, And she was like, well, just do it when you're ready. Do it whenever you're ready. But no, we don't tend to cover it until you're 36 weeks. We didn't even look at it. We did not even look at it. I mean, I know... I know my birth was a very good birth compared to a lot of people's. So definitely do one if you would like to do one um, or a birth preferences sheet if you would like to do one. But in my birth experience, I didn't need it. I had the most amazing midwife. Her first question to me was, what would you like your birth to look like? And I said, and this was kind of in between contractions, and I said to her, I'd really like a water birth. I've been doing some hip... Oh, no, she actually asked me. She asked me. She said, have you been doing hypnobirthing? Because I think she wanted to know kind of what language to use and that kind of thing. Um, so I said, yes, I have been doing some hypnobirthing. Um, I said that I didn't really want much intervention. Oh, I didn't want any intervention. Um, wanted quite a hands-off approach. Uh, wanted to deliver the placenta naturally. She asked me about the vitamin K injection kind of much later. Um, when the baby was born, I think, actually. And that was it. We could, it was all verbal and it was all... But I was in a state where I could tell her and I understand that some people aren't and they will just say, it's in my notes, read my notes. But I was able to actually talk to her. Um, and she didn't. She, I didn't have to elaborate on anything. I gave one-word answers and she just, she just knew. She just knew and it was perfect. So in hindsight, I wouldn't worry so much about that. And I wouldn't worry so much about my hospital bag. But again, this is from my experience that I had. And I wasn't in hospital for long. I was in hospital for like five or six hours after my birth. So I didn't need hardly anything. Um, But yeah, go back a few podcasts and you will know what I actually used from my hospital bag. But it was very, very little. Very little. And it was just a pain in the ass when I had to come home and unpack it all. And find places for it and stuff that I didn't use. (laughs) Um... So, yeah, probably those two things. And what else would I not have worried about? I mean, maybe things like getting the nursery ready, but actually I did that not because I felt like it needed to be ready, but I just wanted something to do and I just wanted to do it and make it look nice and make it a beautiful space that I could be in and record podcasts in and feed her in and that kind of stuff. So um, I don't worry about it if 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 you don't have time to do it because you don't need to have your nursery done before baby's arriving because they're obviously not going to go in it probably I mean if you follow the guidelines it's not until they're six months old so you got six months to do it if you want to um what else would I not have worried about 
I don't know, actually. That's probably it. I don't think I actually worried about that much. Um, okay, another question. Uh, what would I made sure I'd known about? Um, oh, I have a phone call coming in. We'll decline that. Um, what else would I have made sure I'd known about? Um, I pretty much knew everything I needed to know. I mean, I took quite a relaxed attitude to it, although I really enjoyed listening to people's birth stories um, and just kind of knowing what could happen, what's normal, what's not normal, that kind of thing. Um, I did like that. I didn't really think there was anything that I didn't know about, but the stuff I was pleased that I knew about was things like... Um, Oh yes, so the birthing centre. Online, you could go online onto the Exeter RDNE website and actually take a virtual tour of the birthing centre. I'm really pleased I did that because when I went into the initial consulting room, I recognised it instantly from the video. And then when I went into the room with the birth pool, I recognised it instantly from the video. And yeah, it was just, it was really good to go to a familiar place, even though I hadn't actually physically been there before, I'd seen it. So it wasn't a shock. It wasn't kind of like, oh my God, this is what it looks like. Or, um, you know, it was, I knew what I was in for. And that was actually quite comforting. Um, maybe what I would have, um, actually this maybe comes under done differently to prepare. Have the first outfit for, or have in mind what you're going to put them in to sleep in for the first night when you're at home, the first night at home. Hospitals are generally quite warm, so you're okay. But our house is normally really cold, but because we were having all of this hot weather, I had bought very warm things for her to sleep in, like the cosy grow swaddles and grow snugs and all this kind of stuff from the grow company. Um, but we were ha we had like 22, 23 degrees in the room, so I couldn't put her in those. So I completely freaked out because I was tired on what do I put them in? Because in my mind, I was like, can't have blankets in the bassinet, can't have, um, you know, anything else in the bassinet other than a grow bag or whatever they sleep in. And I didn't have something that was appropriate. So I did use blankets but I was just freaking out what to wear them in. And I remember standing here with Hendrik being like, I don't know what to dress her in, I don't know what to dress her in. She was lying there naked and I think she was cold. And yeah, I was just freaking out. So have a good idea before maybe in the lead up to kind of your labour or before you go home, have an idea of like roughly what the temperature is at home or outside or whatever you can judge it on. Have an idea of what you're going to put them in before, like a long time before you want to put them actually in it. Because I think we only went to bed at like 11.30 and we were both exhausted and we just didn't have a clue on what to put her in. Um, so that was quite stressful actually and it just didn't need to be. So prepare what you're going to put them in to sleep. Um, and what else, I, what else I would have done actually is I'm quite a clean person I'm not OCD at all but I I like things to be clean and she was a little bit um dribbly on her sheet the first few nights and I washed the sheet of her bassinet both times after she'd done that now in my experience don't do that because if it's only a small amount or you know hasn't soaked through to underneath hasn't made a big mess or whatever wasn't the other end <laughs> Um, don't do it because I washed away the familiar smell that she'd put on the sheet and that I'd had on the sheet from just being in the bedroom um, with her. Or, or, sorry, just being in the bedroom with the cot um, before she before she came along. Um, so she felt like she was going into a new place every time and her smell wasn't on it. And I think that made for quite a few unsettled nights where it didn't need to be unsettled, um, but I had just washed away her smell. So if your sheet isn't super dirty, I would leave it, leave it on there because then she goes into a familiar place. Each time she can smell herself, she can smell you or he can smell you um, and it might, might make things a little bit easier. What have I done differently? Um, 
no, hang on, what's different to what I expected? So I had very, very little expectations of what this was going to be like. I'm the first one in my family to do this, I've mentioned this before, um, and I haven't really been around many people that have had babies. I'm probably one of the first... I do have a friend, I have a very close friend with two children, but we rarely see each other actually, um, so I haven't really been around her and her children very much. So I had very, 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 very little expectations on how this was all going to go down, and my birth as well, because my friends before me, some of them had had C-sections, no one had had what they wanted, um, so again, I completely lowered any expectations I had. So what's different what I expected? Um, that's quite a difficult question to answer, seeing as I didn't really have any expectations. I guess I thought I would have a little bit more downtime um, without baby, and I don't. Um, um, I mean, I think that's really it, but I I feel like I've had it easy. I do feel like I've had it easy. She's, she's, she's pretty dreamy. We're both super healthy. Um, I didn't expect to bleed for so long, actually. So something on my side rather than baby's side. Um, my bleeding actually came back. I don't think I've discussed this on the podcast, but I went to the doctors last week. We did a swab to check for infection. Everything's absolutely fine. So they think that I've just been doing a little bit too much, which is probably right. Um, things I came back from hospital and just basically cracked on with normal life. Um, but I, my bleeding came back about a week and a half ago in quite full force. Um, and something just obviously hadn't healed. I then had two days where I was basically doing nothing, literally just around the house, hardly lifting her, um, trying to just be really careful about twisting and, and, and being very aware of my body and not bending over too much, not straining too much to pick things up, or, I mean, you know, like, week three, I carried a mattress downstairs with Hendrik, and then lifted it across the gravel into the room, like a double mattress, and then we heaved it up the stairs, and, you know, things like that, they're going to make you bleed if you haven't quite healed, (laughs) um... But yeah, didn't really realise that. So there you go. But anyway, after a couple of days, it's now gone um, gone back to virtually nothing. So we seem to be doing well. Um, I think that's it really on that question. Uh, what else? What would I not have worried about? You okay? Oh, what is it? What is it? What is it, Amandine? What is it, sweetie? Hmm? Um differently to prepare I've answered that and what would I have made sure I'd known about so I know someone asked me a few a few weeks ago what books I used to prepare and I can't remember if I actually ever answered that question but I did um I had a couple of apps baby center and what to expect when you're expecting and I also had the book what to expect when you're expecting and that personally is really all you need um And there are a couple of others. I actually do seem to remember me answering this question and me telling you all that I was going to get the books, book names. So I will try (laughs) and get the book names and just write them in the notes for you this time. Um, And then the only other question was kind of around how much actual time do you have? And I think I've probably given you a good overview of how little time you actually have. Um, But I think it also depends on, you know, how much time your partner has off um, or, you know, if you're a single mum, I just, I really don't know how you do it. I, I really don't. Absolutely amazing. I mean, Hendrik is now back to work. Um, so I don't have a huge amount of help, but he is doing a lot of stuff around the house, um, whenever he can. And he will, you know, come with me to do things like food shops and that kind of stuff, which is great. Um, but he's exhausted all of the time. I'm exhausted all of the time. So we're really no good to each other. Um, so we kind of just crack on with with me looking after the baby and looking after myself and trying to do jobs as much as I can and then him looking after himself and helping out whenever he can. Um, but he's on lates actually now, which makes it a lot easier. 
Maybe one thing I didn't um, finish on about our daily routine, actually, was the evening. So I try to give her the last... So now Hendrix on late, so this is a little bit easier, but I try and give her her last feed before I've actually gone to sleep. So unless I fall asleep on the sofa, I try and stay awake until maybe 11, 11.30 to give her her last feed. Because... I know that might not make much sense because everyone says sleep when the baby sleeps, but you just might not be able to like me. Um, but psychologically, I find if I stay awake till 11.30 or 11 and feed her, then I feel like I'm only waking up once in the middle of the night to feed her. So, and that's at three o'clock. Because then by six o'clock, yeah, you've woken up, but it's six o'clock. It's becoming light. It's fine, by the time you're done, it's seven o'clock and we're about to gain that extra hour of light in the morning when the clocks go back or forward, I never know which way it is. Um, So it will be a little bit easier to wake up in the morning. So I don't know, you might find that as well, but I'm now trying to stay awake until 11, 11.30 to do that feed and I'm sure my body clock will catch up with me after going to bed at like seven o'clock. But let me know if anyone's got any tricks on... Um, just how to make yourself feel a little bit more like you're getting more sleep but tricking yourself into getting more sleep maybe right now I should be taking a nap instead of recording the podcast but this was the only bit of time that I could see that I would have to record the podcast so I'm gonna leave it at that because once again this is a really really long podcast and you're probably very sick of listening to my voice um I'm pretty sure Amandina she's gone back to sleep so shoot me your questions. If anyone has any questions you want me to answer, I'm going to really try very hard to get a guest on next week because I know that you're probably getting extremely bored of it being just me. Um, I may have to, depending on if I feel like I'm actually ever gaining any time back, I may have to turn these into two weekly podcasts. Um, so we, we do one every, every other week. Um, but let's see, we'll stick with it weekly and we'll see if I can keep up with it. Um, but I don't want it to get boring for you guys. And in fact, you know what, that would be one thing that's really helpful. If you listen to this and you could reach out on my Instagram, maybe pop me a message or pop me an email at mumtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Um, or just connect with me and somehow and let me know if you prefer the guests or you prefer listening to me and, you like kind of hearing how our weeks are week by week, uh, if that's actually useful to you, or what would be more useful um, as we as we go through this journey together, whether you're pregnant or maybe you have also just given birth, um, and there are things that you don't you're worried about or you want to know if other mums are doing. Um, I aim to get more mums on the podcast. I have a lot of friends from my yoga and from my NCT who are who have given birth. Um, but they obviously, because we're very close together, also have kind of three-week-old, one-month-old, five-week-old babies. So I don't want to disturb them too much by asking them to come on the podcast. But let me know what you enjoy about this podcast and I will try and give you more of whatever that is. Um, and also let me know if you enjoy hearing my weekly stuff because then I'll give you more of it, but I don't want to, I don't want to give you lots and lots of my stuff, if that's not what you're interested in. Okay, reach out to me on Emma Jolin, um, which is Instagram, so it's just Emma, and then J-A-U-L-I-N, and email me if you want to. Okay, great to chat to you all, Amandine says hi, obviously, and I will catch up with you next week, potentially with a guest potentially not potentially it'll be me and if it is just me give me your questions let me answer your questions let me be helpful all right lots and lots of love and catch you soon bye